RadioInfluence.com Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell. That is the con man, and we're your weekly source. For performance information. Hey, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is our email. If you have a topic or a question or something you'd like us to investigate, hey, let us know. We appreciate every single message we get. We answer all of them and we've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas. So let us have them. Again, info at crushperformance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Search out Crush Performance and we will keep you on the cutting edge as we move forward through the shutdown. And as the shutdown continues, I have one question for you. Are you getting better? We challenge our athletes every single day to find some way to get better. And that doesn't necessarily mean focusing on your sport. What we've asked every single one of our athletes to do early in the shutdown is come up with a daily schedule. Now, we have professional athletes. We've got college athletes who are now at home doing some online work. We've got high school and school age uh, athletes that are you know, now going to school online. And we've asked them to come up with a daily program. What is your daily schedule going to look like? The weekends are the weekends. Let the weekends fly as they normally would. But during the week, let's get down to work. Let's get organized. Let's set up a schedule. Listen, this is a very, very powerful thing, especially now. And when we're in this state of limbo and everything's sort of off kilter, we're just sort of freewheeling it. Getting organized and being purposeful can be a real help. And I'm just telling you, writing it down makes a big difference. Journaling is really, really important right now. And there's good ways to journal and bad ways to journal. But it's also a personal thing. So journal, write down the things that are important to you. If you're a detailed guy, my older brother is a detailed guy. And I look at his journal, I'm going, what are you doing? The details in this journal are incredible, but that's the way he operates. And again, that's why he's a high performer. Me, I'm more general um, concept type type of a journaler. I write down things uh, that, that I can use as a reference to go back and remember. I don't need all those details. I guess because I'm really not a detailed person. He is an incredibly detailed person. So all these things have a personal flair to it, but it's important to just get it done. And we start by writing out a daily schedule. And that daily schedule starts with a wake-up time. Hey, when are you going to wake up? When are you going to start your schoolwork? Or what are you going to do in the morning? When are you going to do your training, your exercise, your strength and conditioning? All right, when are you going to do your skill work? And then what are you going to add into your daily and weekly program that's going to make you better? And we're really, really encouraging every one of our athletes to get away from their sports. Use this downtime to get away from their sports to get better. 
because we know there's massive gaps to fill. So if you have an idea of areas you think might really help you perform inside of your sport, and if you're a multiple sport athlete, maybe choose a couple of things. But there's nothing we can't train. Let's make this perfectly clear. And if you need help figuring it out, write to us. That's what it's all about. So, hey, ladies and gentlemen, take advantage of the shutdown because this is incredibly valuable time and we hope you're harnessing it for sure well today listen another really big show it is episode number three in our original three-part series on anti-doping and peds and i say original because we're going to have to extend it one more show uh, because of the shutdown and access to uh, studios and people and offices and and just work schedules uh, we're not able to get to one of our key discussions that i wanted to cover in this series and that is regarding how safe are your supplements. That's what's going to be happening next week. We're going to talk to Brian Jordan of NSF about their certified for sport program. These third-party certification programs are becoming more and more important as time moves forward and as we are starting to understand the playing field when it comes to supplements. It's very important. You know what you're taking. So next week, we'll tap into that. We're going to discuss it later in the show today, but we'll look forward to episode number four next week. Today, a very, very important conversation. We're going to talk with Travis Taggart, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. It is their 20th anniversary. And they are one of the powerhouses when it comes to the war on drugs in sport. And if there's anybody more passionate about upholding the integrity of sport and giving athletes a level playing field in which to compete, Travis Taggart and that organization are leading the way. Each country has an organization designated by the World Anti-Doping Agency to oversee the testing and governance of the doping code, and the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency are are one of the leaders in the world. So we're really looking forward to this conversation coming up on this third episode of our Anti-Doping and PED series here on Crush Performance. So let's get out for a quick break. When we come back, hey, we'll be joined by Travis Taggart from USADA right after this. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here. Reach out. Questions, comments, smart remarks. If you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, or if you're having a problem, got an issue, need some help, if we don't have the answer, I can tell you right now, we know somebody who does, and we will track it down for you. Write to us. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Check us out at crushperformance.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. All right, well, our series continues. Anti-doping, drugs in sports. We're waging war, much like we do in our war on sugar. The war on drugs is raging on, and there's some good people at work behind the scenes trying to level the playing field, trying to uphold the integrity of sport, and it is a massive, massive job. Over the last few weeks, we've had some great guests, starting with Richard Pound, the good people, Don Hooten from the Hooten, Taylor Hooten Foundation, and today... We're going to talk with the good people from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. They're one of the powerhouses when it comes to uh, governing bodies under the WADA umbrella, the World Anti-Doping Agency umbrella. Uh, Each country has been designated an agency to sort of be the watchdog for events and the sports that operate inside of those countries. Unfortunately, that doesn't even level the playing field as we see with the Russian doping scandal. There are some of these agencies that just don't uphold the integrity of sport and follow the rules of the anti-doping code issued by the world anti-doping agency. And, um, that's a problem. But as we talk with our athletes, when we're setting up programs and setting forth to achieve goals, we can control what we can control. And inside of sport, just like any other form of business, there are 
certain influencers that are helping to steer the cause in the right direction. And right now we're very happy to be joined by one of those people. I'm very pleased to introduce Mr. Travis Taggart, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. A lot going on in the world, of course, but um, I'm glad to be able to take a little bit of time and and speak with you. Yeah, well, there certainly is, you know, and we know that it's the um, uh, 2020 marks the 20th anniversary for USADA, and I've seen your posts on on this day, the history posts on USADA's Instagram. Um, You know, with what's going on with the the COVID virus right now, how does that rank in USADA's most difficult situations? Because we know this is a trying time for everybody. Yeah, well, you know, of course. I mean, it's hard to think about uh, as narrow as just USADA in times like this, right? I mean, this this virus has been a had a huge impact on the world, um, sport included and anti doping included. So it's a it's a significant challenge that one that we've never seen. And and I'm 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 hopeful. You know, we've seen we've kind of gone down uh, the the river before in uncharted waters and you know big high profile cases, other really really challenging times. You know, this certainly is at the top of the list, um, and I'm and I'm hopeful we'll find opportunities to be creative and come together and use our determination to to try to continue to be successful, protecting health and safety as well as a level playing field. Um, just as I, you know, we tried to navigate those other instances as well. Yeah, there's no question, Travis. You know, sport is such an integral part of our society today. Um, and in a lot of ways, people uh, look to sport for guidance. And I think the handling of the virus and the shutdown of the league sends a strong message. But also behind that, I'm seeing a lot of great posts from the athletes and from organizations supplying support, giving ideas on how to stay ready, things to do in self-isolation. And we know you guys are a big part of that when we talk about um, the the welfare of not just the athletes, but the population at large. No, it's, listen, it's, it's incredible. You know, I mean, I, I think we, we certainly have tried to build that team here and, and keep focus on, on the positive and what we can do to to, to make it through these times. I mean, I, you know, my grandparents, uh, great-grandparents immigrated to the U.S., and I remember stories from my grandfather, you know, dirt poor and making it through the Depression. And, of course, you look at the wars, and, I mean, this ranks up there, um, certainly in the U.S., with those types of in- situations. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and I think, we, you know, what might happen, actually, is a little bit of a reset, right, while sport is incredibly important and a lot of other activities are incredibly important i mean at this time is reminding folks that look the sun's going to come up even if there wasn't a major league baseball game last night and and maybe it helps even reset a little bit um you know to families and relationships and you know sort of the everyday freedoms that we all uh, you know appreciate but often take for granted um and 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 maybe we appreciate sport that much more when it does finally come back and, and and get playing because we've missed it for so long but we'll we'll see, and I, you know we're remaining optimistic and hope um, for the best for our athletes, and 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 of course we're doing everything we can to ensure our program maintains its incredible its integrity as well. Yeah, no question about it. Well, you guys are doing great work there, and that's our discussion here over the last couple episodes here on Crush Performance. Again, really, really glad to have you join us. We're talking with Travis Tigert, the Chief Executive Officer for uh, the U.S. Anti Doping Agency. Well. Um, it's the 20th anniversary for USADA. Uh, it was established in 2000. Uh, you joined shortly thereafter. Uh, and along that road, Travis, I know that you have seen a lot of things, but I'd really like to sort of go back to your roots and what brought you into this world uh, and this side of sport and getting involved with USADA. 
You know, I was, um, I, I, you know, started my career out out of undergrad, uh, where I was a philosophy major, teaching and, and coaching. I obviously, was an avid, you know, uh, athlete growing up, and um, you know, had uh, enjoyed competing and gained a whole lot of life lessons through sport. And then did the same as a as a coach at the high school level back in Jacksonville, Florida, and and just you know when I ultimately went to law school, knew that I wanted to not fight over dollars and cents, but um, you know really do something that had more meaning that was kind of bigger than myself, and always looked at representing athletes in some capacity, and decided to join a law firm in May of 2000, um, right as USADA got started, and that was here in Colorado Springs. And we became the outside law firm to USADA, and it was a big reason why I went to work at that law firm, um, doing doing the work that USADA needed to be done as outside counsel. And you know, initially it was kind of drafting bylaws, and um, of course taking out the trash and doing copies because it literally was a, a two-person shop at the time with with two other um, employees, and really started to build this ground up. Again, I was outside counsel at the time, but but just really fell in love with the idea that. There, you know, sport sport means something bigger for folks. It ought to be fair and have a real sense of justice and fairness in sport. And this was a way to represent athletes and ensure that their rights to a level playing field were ultimately protected. You know, one time, I think it was during the Armstrong case or after the Armstrong case, one reporter uh, asked me a question and he framed it and said, you know, you guys are seen as the union for clean athletes. And while we try our best not to take satisfaction in a job because we have to continue doing the job that was that was very satisfying because I, I think that's exactly how we want to 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 operate and gain the confidence of athletes that that we're here for them to protect them um and their right to a level playing field in a healthy um environment when they compete yeah no and that's great stuff and it is such such important work and along uh along your your road there and your path and your time with USADA you guys have had some challenging times you mentioned one there but one I really wanted to touch on with you because I think this is a, a real I don't know if it's a turning point but certainly it's a it's an important time uh in the timeline of the fight against drugs in sport and that's uh the operation raw deal in 2007 the the breaking open of a global steroid ring which you guys were an integral part of and uh if we go back to that 2007 episode uh where does that rank for you and 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 for me personally it just seems like such an important time a shot across the bow so to speak no, it it was huge, you know, and it and I think it it was wonderful because it brought in I think for the first time in a really big way uh, law enforcement and having the U.S. be able to the U.S. law enforcement, you know, the DEA specifically, but also FDA, uh, be able to coordinate with anti-doping organizations from around the world. I mean, I I remember it like yesterday when the CEO at the time and myself, I was the general counsel and the two agents from the DEA who who remained fighting uh, within anti-doping, um, but, but an agent out of California, by the, San Diego, California, by the name of Jack Robertson, who, who ultimately became the first chief investigative officer at WADA and was responsible for the Russia investigation at WADA. And, and you know, single-handedly, because of his commitment to clean sport, I think, you know, used the positions he was in. To, to better sport like no one else in the world, quite honestly. So, it, it, you know, it, it was a, a pivotal moment in the, the history of anti-doping here in the United States. And, um, you know, we're still reaping the benefits of, of that effort because it, it was a, a, a smart strategic 
law enforcement agent that said, you know what, there, there are laws that cover this as well, and we can use those laws where appropriate to really benefit athletes and sport and help clean up sport. And, and if you think about it, I mean, a, a lot of federal agents are, you know, they have kids or they played sports themselves growing up, and, you know, sport is one of those last institutions that that's good for kids, you know, and it keeps kids off the street. It keeps them on the right path. I mean, it's why I played sports. I'm sure my parents put me in sports to focus my attention on something good. It's why I love the fact that my all three of my kids play sports. Um, you know, it's healthy. It's safe. It, it teaches you those life lessons of, you know, commitment, team uh, responsibility, determination, how to lose and get back up and go back the next day, resiliency, the, the things that help in tough times like we're living right now. You know, people learn through sport, and, and we, we've got to keep it pure. We've got to keep it safe. We've got to keep it as an institution that does good for kids. And, and it was wonderful that, you know, the DEA at the time in Operation Raw Deal um, saw that and agreed and executed a wonderful strategy to help, um, you know, protect sport in the long run. Yeah, and to see that collaboration between law enforcement agencies, USADA, WADA, and then also the global community coming together to strike back and send a strong message, I think it's just a real, real turning point. And, you know, when we look at the impact that it has to today even, um, I think very powerful in informing the relationships that are, you know, well, that have brought us to where we are today, do you think? I, I think absolutely. I mean, you know, institutions are made up of individual people, right? And and you you need to have good people committed to doing the right thing for clean athletes. And you look at you know Jack Robinson Robertson, who I mentioned, going from that role, um, becoming the first chief investigative officer at WADA, and being able to use that position to uncover Russia's state-sponsored doping, and you know the the snowball effect of just good people who are committed to doing the right thing on behalf of athletes has literally sent ripple effects across the globe to demonstrate that clean sport actually matters and the rights of athletes to compete in a healthy and safe environment actually matters. And and there are people within these institutions and within the system who are on a daily basis um, giving everything they have in order to protect those rights. Ah, so great. We're talking with Travis Seigert, the Chief Executive Officer for the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Well, 20 years uh, for USADA, or the 20-year anniversary. Um, this month also marks the 15-year anniversary for the MLB Congressional Hearings and the Balco scandal, uh, which you were part of in the early 2000s. Um, this is another, I think, point in time that we could maybe mark as a turning point if we were to go back and look at what happened there and where we've come from there. Um, what was your impressions at that time, the early 2000s, when the whole MLB thing broke wide open? And and uh, how, how do you think that influenced where we are today, Travis? Well, it, I mean, there, there's no doubt here in the United States, and, and I think across the globe, that was a significant turning point for the good for clean athletes. I mean, it it, it demonstrated that there were independent organizations who were going to act responsibly and not just turn a blind eye, and and up bef- you know before USADA was created and other, and other independent organizations around the world, you know it was typically the sport that was guarding themselves. And I've, you may have heard me say it before, but yep. it's the fox guarding the hen house, and you, and you can't possibly promote and police effectively. It just can't be done. And so in our early you know existence, we founded 2000 October of 2000. It was, you know, 03 when we got a syringe sent to us by, you know, someone in the Olympic field, a coach, who was worried that athletes 
um, we're using a designer steroid. And, you know, he sent us the syringe, so it obviously demonstrated his trust in this new independent organization to handle it appropriately. We then, you know, did some testing on it, developed the test around it. We identified what that steroid was. And it obviously, you know, turned out to be what we now know as THG or what's become, you know, layperson's term called the clear. And it, you know, exploded um, sport to a certain extent. And so while we don't, we didn't necessarily like what we looked when we lifted the rocks up and, and what, uh, you know, how dirty some sports had become, it was necessary to shine the light on it. And we were, you know, obviously working hand in hand with the, the federal government as well, law enforcement, um, the FDA at the time. And ultimately got, um, you know, 30-plus in the Olympic world, ended up receiving sanctions for attempting to cheat sport, a number of high-profile, obviously, athletes and coaches here in the United States, but also some around the world. And and I think it it opened a lot of people's eyes to the infiltration of these drugs into sport and the links that athletes and others, their chemists or their doctors or coaches, would go to in, in order to win. And it hopefully kind of set folks back to say, wait a minute, we don't want to win this way. This is not what sport is supposed to be about. And you saw the congressional hearings, you saw legislation, and you saw baseball who, you know, in 03 had no testing program. And and remember, it was against the rules in baseball. They just didn't have a testing program. Where you fast forward to 09 to 2010 to today, they have one of the best programs in the world. And I think the athletes in that sport have have now come together and have told their union leaders, hey, we want a level playing field and we want you to put in a program that is, you know, as good as any program in the world. And and I think all the baseball players can feel really good um, that that that's now what their program looks like. So I think it was a game changer in in a number of ways, uh, globally, but particularly here with U.S. professional sport. Um, particularly baseball. Yeah, I agree. I was the uh, strength coach for the Toronto Blue Jays at that time, and we actually had veteran players coming to us just so uh, uh, disrupted and angry about the cheating. And, and I guess, you know, in essence, look in hindsight, uh, we all knew something was going on. I don't think anybody had a real clear idea to the depth of it, but there are so many athletes out there that just want a fair playing field. And this is the next uh, thing I would like to talk to you about when we talk about the uh, the IAAF and the whole Russian scandal that we've seen here recently, the power of the whistleblower. Travis, how, how has this changed the game and how important is this going to be moving forward, protecting these people, but also giving these uh, individuals who have knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes some safety and a platform to come forward um, um, in a safe manner? It, it, listen, it, it's absolutely key. I mean, we had, you know, I would say in our history, probably Kelly White who was the 100-meter, 200-meter world champion in 2003, um, the only other person to do that besides Marion Jones. You know, she ended up having a positive test um, for modafinil, a designer stimulant that Balco was handing out to athletes at the time that we had developed a test for. And and I'll never forget sitting down with her, and, and she was, you know, being pulled in a number of directions. I'll, I'll never forget when we met with her in San Francisco in an office building, you know, the, her her agent, um, actually it was a coach, who had called her trying to tell her, no, don't, you can't, t- you can't tell them everything. You can't tell them any- everything. Literally in the middle of our conversation with her to say, listen, we're, we're here to help you. We're here to clean up sport. you got to trust us that we're going to do our job. But we need folks like you to come forward and do it. And, and look, she was instrumental in Balco ultimately, you know, being exposed in the way that it 
that it was. And, and so we've known, you know, at, at the very beginning of our existence that whistleblowers are absolutely key going forward. We set up a play clean line, you know, last year, uh, in 2018, rather, the full year, we have the statistics about 713, I think, off the top of my head, tips to that play clean line. And so we have to empower people in the in the communities, the athletic fields and locker rooms, to own their their culture and to say we're not going to allow you know our teammates to walk in the bathroom stalls like you heard from you know uh, uh, Jose Canseco and others in the baseball scenario and inject each other with steroids. That's that's not the environment we're gonna we're gonna you know have sustained. We need to step up for. Our sport, and and now there's an outlet, independent organizations where they can go, and even on an anonymous basis, provide that information that's going to be used to root out those dirty and corrupt cultures as best as it possibly can. Yeah, I think it's so powerful, and this is great. I love the play clean line, and and Travis, I also love what you said there, own their culture, and I think we really do need to empower not just the professional and national team athletes, but also the high school athletes who seem to me uh, to be very, very vulnerable to peer pressure, and then also to some of the, um, I guess, darker uh, forces out there that, that may influence which way they go in their sports. So uh, this is a message to parents, coaches, young athletes, and sport in general. I think this is a really big part of our conversation today. I, listen, I, I, I can't uh, emphasize that enough, and, and, it, and it's tough, right, because, you know, athletes want to win. They wanna, they're hyper-competitive. They want to put their head down and do what their coaches tell them to do. And there's an argument, you know, the, the best athletes are the ones who won't question anything but will just go along with whatever their coach um, you know, or their trainer tell them to do. And, and that's where it gets really difficult is to be able to say, no, there are limits and hear where the limits are. And just because a coach tells you it's okay to do, I mean, you think of, you know, the Larry Nasser scandal and it was that same culture where athletes, you know, unfortunately became, you know, obviously victims, but, but lived in this environment where they were just told what to do and not to question anything. And, and if you read any of the reports that were done around the Nasser scandal, you saw athletes who were fearful to even, you know, say they needed more toilet paper in their dormitory rooms because they were going to be seen as a complainer or someone that, you know, was outspoken or stood up for themselves. And that may not be um, ultimately what it took to be selected to, to make the team. And so we've got to ensure that athletes have power and that it's an equal balance and that they're never in a position where, whether it's other players or the organization or the culture itself, um, stamps out their voice and their willingness to stand up and speak, um, you know, what, what's really going on and, and own that culture, as you said. Yeah, so great. We're talking with Travis Tiger, the chief executive officer for the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Well, it's a com- it's a community. It's a global community. We talked about it right off the top. Uh, there's things that are impacting this world right now. We need to band together. Um, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Uh, WADA is the governing body in Canada, north of the border. It's the Canadian Center for Ethics in Sport. Uh, you guys have collaborated uh, globally. Um, what do what's next, Travis? Where do we where do we need to go next? We've heard about the biological passports. We've heard about you know. The the testing, the whistleblower program for me is one of the most powerful things out there right now. Um, where do you think the next steps go in keeping uh, the integrity of sport uh, safe and sound? Yeah, listen, I, I think, I mean, you, you look at the, the evolution and the advancements that have happened since, you know, 2000 and 
one, two thousand and two. It's a it's a totally different world. I I firmly believe, and I hear this from athletes all the time. Firmly believe that they now can win, not just compete clean, but they can win clean, and and that is where we have to be, right? It's not just good enough that you can compete clean. You you have to be able to win clean, and I and I firmly believe that in our sports. Um, where you know the WADA code program and independent organizations are running the program, that, that that's possible. And it means good testing, partnerships with law enforcement, the ability to retest, to have whistleblower lines, to you know use whistleblowers effectively. It, you, you have to run that level of a program and continue to sustain and run that level of a program. Now, I, I think what has to change is the governance at the World Anti-Doping Agency has to become independent. Mm-hmm. And I think the IOC has entirely too much power, and I frankly believe they control the decisions at WADA. And I think that has made WADA not as um, firm and strong as a global regulator as they otherwise could be and should be. And I think it's why athletes have lost a little bit of confidence in them. And, and it's a shame because you rewind prior to you know an IOC executive board member becoming the president of WADA and WADA made tremendous strides and handled, you know, big complex situations for the best of clean athletes. Russia hit and it was a bomb like no other. And you saw the interests of sport take over the good decision-making that should have been there solely on behalf of what was best for clean athletes, not what was best for sport. And so I, we, we obviously have been pushing for reform to ensure that WADA is as independent as it possibly can be and essentially remove the fox from guarding the hen house there. Yeah, well, you have our vote, no question, Travis. Hey, well, first off, thank you for your time today. Congratulations on the 20th anniversary, and I want to thank you and everybody there for all you do to uphold and and safeguard the integrity of sport. Much, much appreciated. Jeff, really great to talk with you, Uh, even during these times, you know, obviously – our thoughts and prayers go out with all the athletes who are struggling through this time as well, but we'll we'll get through it. Um, but thanks for the opportunity to be here. Our pleasure, Travis. And there you go. Fantastic conversation with Travis Taggart, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. So much to take out of that conversation. And again, so many good people fighting the good fight to level the playing field and uphold the integrity of sport. Fantastic conversation. All right, we have to cut out for a quick break, but when we come back, we'll ask the question, How safe are your supplements? Stick around. That's coming up right here on Crush Performance. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back to Crush Performance. I am Jeff Grishel, the con man. We're your weekly source for performance information. And thank you for joining us here today on our Third episode of our series on anti-doping and drugs in sports. Now, we plan to only do three episodes, but due to the shutdown and uh, the lack of communication and lack of access to studios and equipment, uh, we're going to extend it one more episode because we have another important part of this series that we really need to dig into a little bit, and that is the supplement world. How safe are your supplements? Next week, we will be talking with Brian Jordan, technical manager for NSF International. And NSF is a very, very important organization. They do a lot of third-party testing for just about everything we use. Everything from parts in our car to our washers and dryers and our toasters. If you see the NSF uh, logo on your plug and parts, uh, they do a lot of regulatory work there to make sure everything's done right and it's safe for us to use. 
They also have an important program, the NSF Certified for Sports Supplement Screening Program. These third-party testing programs are becoming more and more important, and NSF is probably the golden standard. They are recognized by Major League Baseball, the NHL, and CFL. As a matter of fact, the trainers, nutritionists, and strength coaches in those particular leagues cannot recommend a product that is not NSF certified to their players and athletes. Um, it's also recognized and recommended in the NFL and the PGA. And of course, it's recognized by the Canadian Center for Ethics in Sport and has recently been recognized by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency as sort of the golden standard when it comes to looking at the supplements you're going to use for sport and ensuring, at least giving you the best chance possible of them not causing a positive test. I mean, even just recently, earlier this year, up in Canada, there were two or three junior hockey players who tested positive on doping tests because of ingredients that were in their supplements. Now, these ingredients were not listed on the label, but they were listed, however, on the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency's prohibited substance list. How they get into these products well, there's a number of ways. Cross-contamination. Some of these production facilities, um, they produce pharmaceuticals that may contain banned substances. And when they go to switch from producing a medicine to producing a sports supplement, they don't clean their lines or production lines properly. And there's a cross-contamination. On the other side of it, on the darker side of it, some of these ingredients are intentionally put into these uh, uh, supplements. So the end user gets an effect. And that's the real damaging side because it can be incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous. So not only are athletes testing positive on their doping tests, but in the bigger picture, if you're taking a medication for some kind of medical situation, um, there are serious contraindications with some of these substances we're finding in, in, in the supplements. So you have to be careful. And we're going to talk to Brian next week about the importance of the NSF Certified for Sport program, what it is, and what you need to be looking at. But if we go back to a conversation on the first episode of our, our series with Don Hooten, whose son Taylor committed suicide after a stint of using steroids to get bigger and stronger to make his baseball team. There's a lot of telling information from that conversation and from the Taylor Hooten Foundation Website. You can go to taylorhooton.org, H O O T O N.org, taylorhooton.org, and they've got great information on there. And if we go back, we know the kids are using, we know that our athletes are using, and it's mostly because they don't know what else to do. But here's the scary thing when it came to the steroids and the PEDs, the performance enhancing drugs, and the APADs, which is the appearance and performance enhancing drugs. And if you remember from that conversation, the majority of users, the school age users, weren't even involved in sport. They were using these banned substances for appearance reasons, body image reasons, to fit in, to be more accepted. And, and that's a problem. It, it's a conversation that we need to have. And again, the numbers are, are out there. You know, over 85% of high school age kids have never had a conversation with a parent, teacher, or coach about banned substances. And here's what we know about banned substances. And why athletes go to the dark side is because they don't know what to do. But here's what we want you to know. You can get results doing it the right way. You can get fantastic results. And in some cases, even better results without the risk of the long-term damage some of these performance-enhancing drugs can do in the long run. And again, you know, if you go back to that conversation with Don Hooten and their, their website has got terribly important information that we need to share more and more. And if you remember... 
at the congressional hearings in 2005, um, Don actually shot a warning shot across the bow to all high caliber and professional athletes. You are role models, whether you like it or not, just because of your status, because of all the hard work you put in and the place you've gotten yourself to, you are automatically, whether you like it or not, a role model, which makes doing it right even more important. I mean, let's just look at some of the numbers. 77% of both males and parents say that PED use in professional sports puts pressure on young athletes to use drugs to get ahead. How about that message right there? 77% of male athletes and parents, again, say that PED use in professional sports put, puts pressure on young athletes to use to get ahead. Of course it does. What other outcome could there possibly be? How else can a young athlete interpret that? And what message is that sending? Again, another reason that it's so, so important to be aware of this. One in five parents worry that their child may take a PED at some point, which is an alarming number. That's one in five. And when we start looking at the mindset of the athletes, there was an interesting survey done a few years back. It was sort of showcased in a book called Death in the Locker Room. And it proposed to athletes, young athletes, high school, college level athletes, mostly in college. And the question was, if you were to take a drug that would allow you to become the best in the world at whatever sport you're in, but it also would shorten your lifespan, would you still take that drug? Now, I'm not sure if you could take a moment to answer that question for yourself, or if you're a little bit older, like I am, think back to your high school years when you had dreams of becoming a movie star or a professional athlete or whatever it might be. And ask yourself this question again. If you were to take a pill or powder that would guarantee reaching your athletic goal, even if it shortened your life, would you still take it? Well, of all the athletes surveyed, 57% said they would take that drug, even though it shortened their lives. That is an interesting insight into the mindset of young athletes. And again, another reason that we have to have these conversations then there's a lot of great things going on there. If we look at where the performance world has come, even in the last five years, but certainly in the last 10 to 15 years, we're doing such a better job of educating parents and athletes and in developmental organizations about reaching potential and strategies for reaching potential. And that's, and that's really important. We know about sleep. We know about nutrition. We know about training protocols and long-term athlete development, which is all very, very exciting and leading us down a path where I think, you know, we're doing some really good things for the health and wellness of our athletes. And the big picture, you know, it's not necessarily to produce elite performers, but the beautiful result of a well-rounded long-term program, again, is the fact that there's going to be more elite performers. More people playing sport for fun and recreation as they go on to become, you know, great business people or musicians, teachers, academics, whatever it is they choose to be, construction workers, uh, working in the mills, engineers, whatever it might be. To have people involved in sport is so, so important for the health and wellness of our population, but also the great spinoff is more elite athletes and higher performing elite athletes, which is incredibly exciting. And this can bring us full circle back to our original question, how safe are your supplements? Because that's a big part of the sporting world right now. We see it. Again, the industry is generating you know, $30, $35 billion a year, and there's very few controls. And again, that's why we need to look for those third-party testing programs. Uh, again, we'll be talking to NSF next week about their Certified for Sport program and why it's so important. In recent studies, in recent tests and surveys, 
In research, it's shown that about 25% of dietary supplements are spiked with ingredients that aren't on the label or that would cause a positive test for an athlete on a doping test. 25%. And those numbers are fairly consistent across the board. And there's another side to the issue as well. It's not just the ingredients that are in there that aren't on the label. It's ingredients that aren't in products that are on the label. Companies cutting corners, maybe cutting costs, or just simply ripping customers off. You have to be careful. And that's why finding a reputable brand is so, so important. Understanding where it's coming from and who's putting it together is a real first step in this whole thing. But if we go back to some of the research that's been done looking at supplements and tainted supplements and contaminated supplements that are causing athletes to test positive... It's a big problem. As early as the 2000s, when the IOC did their big research on the supplement world, when a number of very honorable, well-respected athletes started testing positive, of course, claiming that they aren't taking anything. It's the first thing you hear coming out of an athlete's mouth. And whether we believe them now or not, that's, a, that's neither here nor there. The fact is, a lot of these athletes were taking supplements that caused them to test positive. So to figure this out, or in the early 2000s, the IOC said, enough's enough. We got to figure out what's going on. These are reputable, well-known athletes that we respect and are even using as ambassadors. And they're saying they aren't taking anything, at least knowingly. So the IOC in 2000 went out and did a survey of over 634 nutritional supplements from all around the world. And what they found was alarming. They found that about 15% of those supplements had substances in them that weren't on the label that would cause a positive test for an athlete. And this study by the IOC was a turning point in the world of supplements and how athletes approach their nutrition and their supplementation because it's a big, big part of sport. It still is today. Don't get me wrong, but we know more now. We know that some of these companies just aren't doing it right or unknowingly aren't following the proper procedures to make sure the end user is safe. And it's a big, big problem. It still is a big problem today. That's why these third-party uh, testing protocols and testing companies are becoming more and more important. Now, who do you trust and are they 100% bulletproof? We're going to continue that discussion next week as we talk with the guys at NSF about their Certified for Sport program. Again, one of the most recognized and highly acclaimed uh, certification programs out there. So you need to be listening. All right. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up for today. Let's leave it on this note. Have these discussions with your kids. If you're an athlete listening today, have these discussions with your parents. Go to the hootonfoundation.org, taylorhooton.org, and check out some of their numbers. It's a great talking point. And listen, in the shutdown, what a great conversation to be having with your school-age kids. I don't care what age they are. Start raising awareness about this. Start talking about it openly. And even if your children aren't involved in sport, it's perhaps even more important because the fastest growing user group are young females, young school-age females. Again, don't forget the mean age for starting PED use and appearance-enhancing drugs is 15 years of age. So if you have a 12, 13, 14-year-old, they probably know somebody who's using something. You certainly do, just in your neighborhood. You might not even know they're using, but you know somebody who's using whether you like it or not, those are the numbers. So let's have that discussion. All right. I want to thank uh, Travis T 
Taggart, the CEO of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, for joining us today. What a fantastic discussion. You guys can go back and re-listen to that. I'm going to. Go to crushperformance.com and click on our podcast button. You can go back and share that one. Uh, it's very important. Again, coming up next week, we're going to talk more on the supplement world. We're going to talk about training and getting ready for the return of sport because I believe with every passing day, we're getting closer to the return. Let's make sure you're ready. Let's make sure we're using this downtime as the opportunity that it is. Let's frame it up right. Let's get faster. Let's get stronger. Let's get better. And that doesn't mean just focusing on your sport. Right now, for me and for our athletes, we're trying to get away from the sport to develop and build support training that's going to make us a better athlete and a better player for when we do return to our sport, whatever that might be. And hopefully, if you're involved in multiple sports, you're messing around with them all. And again, our rule of thumb when it comes to multiple sport athletes, play as many sports for as long as you possibly can. Do not get pigeonholed early into one particular sport. Again, if you are, it's another reason this downtime is so, so important. Learn to juggle. If you're not a soccer player, learn to juggle a soccer ball. If you're not a baseball player, get out there and hit some baseballs, throw a ball. There are so many things you could be doing during this shutdown to make yourself better. And if you follow me on Twitter or you follow us on Facebook, Crush Performance, we're posting ideas every single day of how you can stay sharp and get better during the shutdown. Tons of ideas. Modifying your warm-up. Learning to play a musical instrument. So good for your brain. Listen, really, really smart. If you were even just to start messing around with a guitar or piano or playing drums on the pots and pans in your kitchen, I kid you not, and learn to juggle people. There are just so many benefits to just challenging yourself with new tasks like that, and there's more to come for sure. And again, as the shutdown continues, we're continuing to tap into this opportunity to make ourselves better because sport will return, hopefully, sooner than later. And we will be returning next week. So get out there, everybody. Have a great week. Go get better. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. Johnny Stinkface, it was simple. He was supposed to be a really aggressive shock jock on the air. But off the air, he was a very nice. So he would call up his his interviewers and be like, "Hey, it's Johnny Stankface. Just uh, want to get prepared for our interview here, and, and just want to talk." And then when he gets on the air, he's just a shock jock talking about tits and tsunamis. <laughs> All right, here, here we go. Hello, this is Doctor speaking. Hi, um, Doctor. Yes, this is she. Hi, hey, what's going on? It's Johnny. Um, I contacted you over email uh, a couple yeah, days yeah. ago. You remember yeah, me? Hi, Johnny. Sure I do. Hi, how you doing? Great, great, great. You're so nice. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're really busy. Oh, and, um, right. All right. Okay. Now, let me explain to you how this show works. Um, okay. Of course, my name is Johnny, and uh, this is my normal speaking voice. Now, when we start recording the interview, and I actually hit record, I'm going to turn into my character that I play on the air, which is named Johnny Stankface. Okay. All right. It's it's totally not who I am, but I'm sort of forced to do it. You know, I, I got to have a job, you know? <laughs> you remember my name just in case? Yes, I do. What is it? Stinker? St- stank face. Stankface. Stankface. Stankface? Yes, stank. Johnny Stankface. Okay? Stankface. Okay. All right. So uh, let's get started with the interview here. 
And uh, and are we ready to record? Okay. All right. Johnny Stinkface Show coming down. Three, two, and... Yeah! All right. Welcome back. Another edition of the most exciting, most shocking, most in-your-face radio show in all of America, the Johnny Stinkface Show. Welcome, everybody. Starting off the show with a bang. We got a guest on the line. Aren't you there? I'm... I'm here. What are you laughing at? The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, mjmorningshow.com, and radioinfluence.com. 